Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. One of the expressions that we hear a lot of within Christian circles is the term, the world. And when we hear that, it's often in contrast to... It's often in contrast to um, the difference between living for God and living for the world. So when you hear the term the world, what is it that you think of? Are you thinking of this blue, spherical, circular-shaped object, this place that we live on? Are you maybe thinking about uh, the views or the opinions of people who live in this world? Or maybe you think about different cultures Uh, that we live in. Well, when the Bible mentions the world, as I said before, often it's in contrast to the kingdom of God, Uh, such as in the passage that we will read from today. It's referencing lifestyles, dispositions, influences and attitudes that are in direct opposition to God. So the temptations of the wrestle, uh, sorry, of the world are a wrestle Uh, that we often face in the life of Christian living. Uh, And the world, it is in your face and it is telling you, it is tempting you, it is providing you with different resources, different ways to achieve short-term happiness, short-term success, short-term pleasures. And as I said before, it's in direct opposition to God who in his mercy has shown us uh, righteous and holy living and how to live uh, that way. So in this passage today, uh, we're going to be investigating how we overcome those in-your-face pleasures of this world, how we overcome those instant gratifications of the world as Christians. Remembering, Jesus said, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. In fact, we are aliens to this world. Because we're set apart as holy for God. So what does it look like to oppose the world? To stand for God in the face of modern pop culture? To say no out of conviction when the world says yes? And apologies, I wrote this before the referendum stuff that had nothing to do with that. Um, What does it look like to not conform to the patterns of the world? To stay strong? What does it look like to overcome the principalities and the patterns of sin which this world not only encourages but actually celebrates? And ultimately, how do we overcome this world? Well, we get our answer in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. So if you want to turn there on your devices and your Bibles or just follow along on the screen... Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who believes the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one 
who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just sit underneath your word today. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to be receptive to you, to what you want to teach us today, Lord, and guide us, guide our thinking, Lord, and and, uh, soften us to be able to learn from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would transform us from the inside out and we would leave today changed uh, from how we first walked in. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So if we take a look at that first verse, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. What an encouraging piece of scripture that is, that God has given us. When you see the word everyone, that means no exceptions. All people, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that is, All who believed that Jesus is that promised Messiah to come, to demonstrate perfect godly living, to go to the cross bearing the sin and shame of this world, and to die a criminal's death, and then on the third day to rise again, defeating sin and death itself. If you believe that Jesus is that promised Saviour, then you've been born of of God, or born again, depending on your verbiage. And if that's you, take courage in that. You are born of God. Not one person, not one person who believes that is missing out on the good news of salvation. And that comes through Christ. Now the outworking of this joy of salvation is this. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So in this room, as you have a look around, you will see many, many people who believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's many people who are born of God. That's many people who love the Father. And Jesus is, um, as, sorry, and God is teaching us here that through John, uh, through his, sorry, through his, uh, his message here, that as we look at this, it's a bit of a package deal. That as we are born of God, we must be lovers of God and also we must be lovers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So there are a lot of uh, different social clubs, footy clubs, other organisations where there is a common united goal, but also a lot of infighting. And that is the patterns of this world. Now, I've seen many times in pre-season trainings, um, teammates from the same footy clubs who will get into massive brawls and have to get separated by their own teammates. They have the same goal. They want to win every game that they play. By the end of the year, they want to win the grand final. They want to win the premiership. But while they're united in this goal of success, they aren't united as people. And they refuse to let any differences of personalities slide. And that's the way that this world acts, reacts, even amongst people who are on the same team. But that's not how we're called to respond to such situations. John wrote, whoever loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Whoever, no matter race, no matter gender, no matter ideologies, no matter expressions, no matter opinions. 
our central focus must always be Jesus Christ. And God's word, it clearly states that we are to love anybody who has been born of God. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. We are simply called to love. And by this love, the world outside the church walls will then see Christ's love. Now, I was filled with so much joy, so much pride, not in an arrogant sense, uh, this season. I went along to support uh, some of our church family in netball this season. Uh, Deb coached a, a great group of girls, including some of our youth girls, Danica, Audrey, Macy as well. Um, and they made the grand final, which was an incredible effort. And I said to them afterwards, and, and I'm enthused to repeat that here, that in all my years of being a part of sporting clubs and I've been a part of a fair few, um, whether that be playing, coaching, umpiring, or just supporting, I've never ever seen a team play sport in the manner in which these guys did. They were respectful of opposition, of umpires, of one another, regardless of what was happening or what the state of the game was. They never lost their cool, never slumped their shoulders uh, if things weren't going their way. They never gave in to the frustrations, which, let's be honest, can very easily happen in the heat of battle in the sporting arena. Uh, and when things were going well, they were incredibly humble and respectful to the opposition. And I just couldn't stop smiling. I was, just, I was thinking to myself through this, this entire season, what an incredible representation of Christ that this was. And they were there as Shepherd and Christian College as well, so it was a really good witness. Um, so I was super proud of them, all they achieved this season, but not just with their results, but in the way they carried themselves as well. Um, you know, it can be very easy to slip into habits, very easy to slip into those, those uh, habits of just dropping your bundle when things aren't going your way. Now, they didn't do that, and it could have been very easy to do. Sometimes opposition didn't make it easy to stick to your guns. But again, that's that significant difference between a response from those in Christ and from those in the world. One is focused on the easy path, easily caves in to patterns and temptations and feelings and emotions, while the other is willing to be resilient, to dig a bit deeper, to honour and glorify God. So let's uh, now have a look at verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So now we're, we're moving into the application of what this love looks like in the daily happenings of Christian living. What's, God, what's John saying here? He's saying, we know that we love God's children. That is, we know that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love one another as a church when firstly, we love God. And how do we show our love for God? By obeying his commandments. And then John adds that his commandments are not burdensome. So firstly, what are these commandments? Well, uh, many might assume that John is talking about the law of Moses here, the Ten Commandments uh, that he gave Moses 
on Mount Sinai, and that's absolutely a part of it. But what John is actually talking about is the entirety of Scripture. He is saying that, um, that this is God's commandments for us. This is God's love letter. This is his truth. This is God's way. This is God helping us. And we show love to our brothers and sisters by keeping in obedience with his word. Now, interestingly, uh, John finishes here by proclaiming that his commandments are not burdensome. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, man, I've got to do this, oh, I've got to do that. It's actually, um, it's actually a good thing to follow God's word. It's actually a joyous thing. So, so how is it so? What, is, what, what does John mean here? So if we think about home life and we do many things for one another and we do it out of love, we do it out of gratitude, we do it out of care, cleaning the dishes for those who still live in the 19th century and don't have a dishwasher like us, um, doing the washing, vacuuming, cleaning the car, doing the yards, all of that sort of work. Um, after a while, even though the intention of this might be good, it does become a little bit tiring. We start to get a bit fatigued and eventually we've had enough. We need a breather, we need a break. Maybe have a sit down, watch some TV, read a good book, feed up on the couch, you know, there was joy in doing it for someone. There was a genuine joy in that, but it quickly wanes as we physically and mentally get tired. So as we keep God's commandments, following his word in our daily lives, John's saying here, this actually does not get tiring. It actually, uh, it, it does not take away our joy. It does not mentally hurt us. It does not mentally frustrate us. Why? Not because of us but because we're actually empowered by someone greater in keeping these commandments. As we surrender our lives over to Jesus, we don't merely receive a desire to do God's will, but we also receive a grace from God which gives us an ability to be able to do it and to do it well, to do it with great peace, to do it with great joy. God's commands for us are both desirable and doable. So in following God's ways, uh, we serve out of love for our brothers and sisters, and we serve out of love for God, and it gives us a great joy as we fulfill any needs that, and, and serve, whether that might be in the home, whether it might be at work, it might be at school, it might be at sport, it might be out in the community doing something else. But in our everyday living, there is a joy as we follow his commands. So while there might be a limit when it comes to the secular serving mindset, such as chores, a God focus will result in joy. And not just from the result of the task, but actually in the process of doing it as well. If we're carrying out God's commands while we're dragging our feet, then we probably haven't fully understood the message of the gospel. It probably hasn't fully encapsulated us and, and grabbed us in the heart. Jesus, uh, when he went to the cross, knowing what his ultimate mission was during his life on earth, he never was dragging his feet. He knew what he, knew what he had to do. He knew how to bring salvation. And it was going to be through that sacrificial death on the cross. But rather than dragging his feet, 
He was delivering people with joy. He was delivering people and living with a kingdom mindset. And we have to follow the plans and purposes of God as he has uh, written out to us in his word, also with that kingdom focus, that kingdom mentality. Now, the example I was giving before, doing chores around the house, I think I was being very generous. Uh, sometime, you know, just to exemplify what the serving household looks like, looking after one another, whether that be in the home or somewhere else entirely, uh, that's the dream of all, but it doesn't always happen that way. And the reason that is, is because we live in a world which can be quite self-focused. And as Christians, we can't afford to fall into that same pattern of being self-absorbed. We are to take the focus off ourselves and instead zone in on the Father and zone in on serving one another in the love that we have for our Father. Our focus is on representing Christ in a world that seriously, seriously needs him. We know what's going on during the week. We've seen it all. And it has been chaotic, to say the least. We are in a world that seriously needs Christ. So how do we represent him well? Read the word, see his commands, and follow his commands. They aren't a burden to carry. They are a benefit to obtain. You know, we should not be the priority in our own lives. We have a far more urgent call, and that is to see a world, a world abandoning the patterns of this dark, deceitful, depraved world, and instead falling on their knees before God, who can and will sustain them and revive their souls. Well, as we look at verse 4 now, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith this is one of the most encouraging things that we will hear today for everyone everyone no exceptions everyone who has been born of god that is everyone who has called on the name of jesus everyone who has surrendered their lives to christ in response to the grace of god Everyone who is a follower of Jesus, let's say Christians, every Christian overcomes what? Overcomes the world. Now, as we explained earlier, this means as Christians, we overcome the patterns, the behaviors, the temptations, the passions, the desires that this world throws at us. And the world will make excuses will make convincing excuses as to why we should dabble in all sorts of different temptations as well. It's just one time. It won't hurt you that much. This won't affect your salvation. There's nothing that's too wrong with it. But do you know who leads the patterns of this world? God has an enemy and his name is Satan. If we take a quick look at Genesis... The cunning lies and deceptions actually started with the serpent. Look at Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent 
was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, and this is important, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? How often does that come in our minds? And then in Genesis 3-4, the serpent actually tells a white lie. He deviates from the truth just enough that it was somewhat believable. He said, you will not surely die. Now, physically and on the spot, sure, they wouldn't die. Not right there and then. But the death that would take place was a whole lot worse. What it meant was that their perfect and therefore our perfect relationship with God would be fractured. And death would become a result of a sinful and fallen world, but much more was a, a, that spiritual death that we received as a part of our broken relationship with God. So when it comes to the world and its opposition to Christianity, you won't hear a flat-out, clear-as-water lie. Because that's too obvious. It makes it so much easier to say no. But... There may be something in your life where questions or thoughts or doubts enter into your mind, which, like Adam and Eve, you buy into and it creates all sorts of backpedaling and regret. You hear this in your mind. Did God really say? That's the deceptive thought-provoking that the principalities of this dark world inflict on our minds. Now, praise God that uh, through Jesus, we are the benefactors of his grace. And therefore, uh, when we do make ill choices, he is just and he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. But does that mean that we should push the boundary? Because that's exactly what the world wants of us. Even the slightest movement in the direction of the world, will push the envelope. Like having an elastic band, it stretches and stretches and stretches until it just snaps entirely. It might go from uh, coming to church every week, serving, just being on complete fire for God, to then maybe coming and attending on Sundays, but not much else, to then maybe coming to church once a month, uh, to then falling away altogether. And that's because the pleasure of the world has gripped us and just pulled us away. But, but God, but this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We must hold firm to our faith in Christ in what he has done, in what he has called us to. And what has he done? He defeated sin and death on the cross. Those questions of trickery, those lies of the enemy, which we can very liken to uh, the deception of the world. Jesus defeated that at the cross. Jesus is victorious and he's calling us to be a part of his victory. He crushed the enemy. He crushed the lies. He crushed sin on the cross. So in seeking what the enemy promised in the garden, the result was that spiritual death. 
Suddenly we were impure. Suddenly we were unclean. No longer worthy of relationship with God as he had created us for. Through one act of disobedience, which was kick-started by uh, a twisting of the truth and listening to that twisting of the truth. But in turning away from the promises of the world and seeking instead the promise and victory of Christ, the result through one act is life. Forgiveness. Eternal relationship with God. Now, we have been made overcomers in receiving this free gift of salvation, not through anything we do, but through Christ alone. No longer do we have to be chained by fear or anxiety or feelings, worries, anger, circumstance, insecurities. That no longer has a grip on us because our rest and our peace is in our eternal hope that we have secured in Christ. We overcome the world not by our own strength, but through the strength of the Lord. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's have a look at verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This rams home that point. We are incapable of overcoming what the world throws at us without Jesus Christ. We just don't have the capacity to do it. Without Jesus, we're hopeless. We're just lost sheep ready to be slaughtered. We're on death row. Our one and only hope is Jesus Christ alone. Without him, we are dead to sin. However, the glory in us is Jesus Christ. And the one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, who believes that Jesus is that promised Son of God, if that's you this morning, then you have victory over this world. You have overcome this world. We have that victory. But we can't get a big head because it's not because of us. We must always remember that. It's by God's grace. It's by God's mercy uh, in bringing us to faith in Jesus Christ. We can't be who Jesus has called us to be without his transformational work in our hearts. Now, This world, it relies on its own leisures and pleasures and luxuries to find fulfillment, but true fulfillment and the only hope we have, an everlasting fulfillment that doesn't end, that can't be squashed, is found in Jesus Christ. Worldly pleasures are like a roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, they'll relieve you of pressure one minute, uh, but then there's a come down where the effect just completely wears off. Worldly joy is not this everlasting abundance, it's simply momentary. The reality of life is that we live and we die. And when we are on our deathbeds, taking our final breath, 
None of the worldly luxuries that we so desired are going to help us. None of those things are going to rescue us. They won't save us. But Jesus will. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our rescuer. He is our saviour. And as we come to the end of our lives, we have our eternal home to look forward to. As uh, the late Billy Graham said, the moment we take our last breath on earth, we take our first in heaven. Now, if we think about how people in the world look for assistance in times of challenge, turning to alcohol abuse, drugs, pornography, losing all self-control, impurity, idolatry, behavioral decisions. There's no peace in any of those things. It's a momentary assistance to kind of just erase anything else that might be going on. They're short-term band-aids over a gash that is way too big for the band-aid to even be effective. But Jesus is no band-aid. He's the entire cure. And in a moment, we can go from dying in sin to being made alive in Christ, to being rescued. That's only possible through Christ. Billy Graham also said, and hopefully this quote's on the screen, the Bible says that as long as we are here on earth, we are strangers in a foreign land. There are enemies to be conquered before we return home. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And Billy's right. This world is not our home. The Bible says we are set apart from this world. Jesus said the world will hate you because of me. No lies detected. We are not to conform to the world and to the patterns of this world, but to stand firm in our faith in Christ. That's what gives us our victory over the schemes of the enemy, over the schemes of the world. So in this moment right now, consider your own life. There might be great triumphs happening. You might be going through some incredible struggles. You might be coasting along, just meandering along nicely. But whatever situation you find yourself in right now, I ask the question, are you giving the enemy a foothold by allowing the world to dictate what is best for you? Whether that be in, in smaller things, whether that be in larger things, they can all cause us to slip and to stumble. Are you looking at life through the lens of the world? Or are you looking at life through the lens of our faith in Christ? The living word. Putting our hope and our trust in him who is our eternal hope. Who has our eternal reward for us. What a great blessing that is. What amazing, amazing grace that... Despite our wretched nature, despite our foolishness, despite our rejection of him, despite our depravity, he would die so that we may live. 
and not live in terms of the world in our flesh where we live for 80 to 100 years, if you've had a good life, a good life but live forever, eternally, in his glory. He has granted us that blessing. You know, as Christians, we can't escape the world, but we can prevent the world from polluting our minds and our lives through, through things like uh, ungodly music or movies or shows. And not everything secular is harmful, but it is important to exercise discernment to avoid being led astray and led down a path that could be really hard to come back from. There is a battle that rages on every day. It's a battle of life versus darkness. It's a spiritual war. It is truth versus lies. Hope versus hopelessness. Good versus evil. Essentially, it's heaven versus hell. But, spoiler, I can assure, assure you that for all of us that are in Christ, we win. Alright, so that's good. We won. Um, but even when we lose all hope in our personal circumstances, when our lives are a wreck where there seems like there is no way out, Christ still remains. We are still victorious. The world doesn't own us. The world doesn't have control over us. The world isn't our dictator. Because Jesus, in his loving kindness, has taken us in. And he says, child, follow me. He has the final say. And his final say is eternal. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is a light to our feet, that guides our path, and that as we follow you, as we uh, take your hand and allow you to guide us and lead us, we cannot be led astray. Lord, help us to be discerning of the plans and the uh, deceitfulness that can sometimes cloud our And Lord, I pray uh, that you would uh, guide us and and help us and lead us into your glorious light, that we would live for you. Help us, Lord, to be consistent in prayer. Help us, Lord, to be consistent in reading your word, to read it daily, to pray daily, to fellowship daily. Lord, help us to be lovers of you, even more so than we were when we first walked in this morning. And help us to be lovers of your word, and help us to be lovers of one another. Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that a world, a lost world that so badly needs you would see the joy of your church and would want to be a part of that and it would grip them and move them into, into wanting to know you. Lord, we pray for this world because we live in a time right now where there is chaos running rampant and Lord, we pray that more people would seek you during these times. Lord, would see your light, would see your joy, and would receive that peace, turning away from any of uh, the, the passions and the leisures and the pleasures of this world that they think gives them peace, and turning to true peace, which is you. And so, Lord, we do pray. We pray, Lord. We thank you that through you we are overcomers and we are victorious uh, from this world, Lord, and we have eternal hope, which is forever in you. I pray this, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.